Successful Minds with Patricia Barnowski-Schneider, the show that takes you around the world to share interviews with some of the most successful and relevant people on the planet. Hear their stories and get the most important business lessons they have learned on their road to success and get exclusive advice on how to implement their success into your life and business. Successful Minds with Patricia Barnowski-Schneider is brought to you by the Strategic Advisor Board and your host, Patricia Barnowski-Schneider. Hello and welcome back to Successful Minds. I'm your host, Patty Baranowski-Schneider. Today I'm joined by Wahiga Maturi. Wahiga is a serial social entrepreneur, practitioner of innovation, certified digital journalist, and mediator from Nairobi, Kenya. He's won many awards for all of these things. He strongly believes that Africa must change the way that it tackles poverty. He spent over a decade in the incubator accelerator ecosystem, including PR, communications, media, marketing, and ICT4D, working in over 30 Sub-Saharan African SSA, 14 MENA, Asian, and EMEA countries. So thank you for joining us, Wahiga. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your business. Oh, great. Uh, so uh, thank you very much, Patricia, for this and actually doing this on very short notice. <laughs> I know I know, I, I know, you did. You went through some crazy moments uh, also <laughs> within our correspondence. But thank you so much for this. I'm really honored by this. So my name is Wahika Kemuchuri. And uh, in the list, I say um, I'm all about creating opportunities, uh, creating opportunities in Africa, creating opportunities outside Africa, creating opportunities for people who want to connect with Africa, because Africa is my story. Africa is my life. Africa is my home. So in the list, um, I'm a digital journalist, um, and, and many people also know me as that, uh, based in Nairobi, Kenya. But more so, I'm a serial social entrepreneur, um, meaning I run several social enterprises, uh, business enterprises in, in Nairobi, Kenya, and some also which have scaled outside of Kenya into other countries in Africa, but also a few have also scaled better yet into countries like Europe and North America. So that's what many people know me as. And then I'm a, I'm a father, I'm a husband, <laughs> uh, a brother uh, and a sibling to many others. And uh, last but not least, and maybe something I would just add on to this would be I'm a certified workplace mediator um, and so an accredited mediator um, within Kenya. And, and that has also opened some very interesting doors for me. Yeah, and actually would be part of the reason we're even having this conversation to say the least. <laughs> well, jack of all trades, you have a lot to juggle there. <laughs> well, I, not really. I would say jack of many trades and a master of all, at least. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah maybe, maybe I put it that way. <laughs> uh, perfect. <laughs> now, what inspired you to become a social entrepreneur? I think what inspired me to become a social entrepreneur is I believe, um, and, and it's a philosophy I hold till today, I believe that Africa must change the way it tackles poverty. I believe there's a better way for Africans to deal with the rest of the world. I also believe there's a better way for the world to deal with Africa as a continent, but also with Africa as a people. Uh, but now that, that let me say that is more for PR. Yeah. <laughs> oh, if, I, if, I'm, if, I, if I'm honest about it, what, what made me want to become a social entrepreneur is because I, I got into a space where I realized there's a need and there's a lack and wealth seemed also to be an answer to that. So in 2007, 2008 post-election violence, I was one of the victims for that in Kenya, uh, for those who can remember or heard about it. And so when I was home, 
I was one of the slightly privileged kids uh, who was able to go back to school immediately post-election violence ended when Kofi Annan signed the agreement with um, our then president, late president, uh, Honorable Mwaiki Baki. We, I was able to go back to, to school. Six months later, I realized some of majority actually of my friends weren't able to go back to school because they didn't even quite know where exactly to begin from. Mm-hmm. Uh, for them, it was a different experience. But also, I realized I was able to pay myself through school because I was into capitalism before. <laughs> um, and so and so I went back home because my home at that, that point in time was based in Nakuru. And Nakuru is a city in Kenya. But my school was in Nairobi, which is like 180 something kilometers from Nakuru. So when I went back home, I realized, hey, there's a problem here. Uh, my friends can't go back to school, but we are friends. And, 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 and I saw a gap. I saw a need for reevaluating priorities, number one. Number two, uh, reevaluating focus, because the focus before was a focus on what politicians were saying, so they could drive the narrative. And number three, which is my, my, a point I would write upon, is actually changing the narrative of what poverty means and mm-hmm. and how it means to get out of it in the first place. So I went back home, I tried to figure things out, it took me like a week or two, then began a rubbish collection business uh, with friends within my community. The rubbish collection business ended up picking up really well. And in like three months, majority of the, I think I would say 48 of the individuals out of 63 were able to get some money to actually get back into school. Others were taken in by the government. Um, And it was because one, they were busy, but also they sorted a need that made sense. And then number three, they actually were able to create value for themselves and last but not least, create wealth, yeah. which they they hadn't seen how exactly to do that. That changed everything for me. Yes. That is why I became a social entrepreneur. But right. even at that point, I really didn't know what it was. <laughs> <laughs> well, so got to start somewhere. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So so I went back to Nairobi, the city, um, the capital city of Kenya, and and I got myself into an internship. Uh, an internship that was a very interesting one because I went into a free internship. Uh, why I did that was because I needed to access the desktop computer and internet. Okay. <laughs> so, so for the for the next one year, um, and that was Transworld Radio. I actually went to work for a radio station, which was very interesting because it also <laughs> gave me a few skills here and there. Added upon to what I had, I every day for the next one year. In that period of time, I was with them as an intern. I was the first one to be in the office and the last one to get out. Reason again, because I always sat behind a computer, the desktop, and I was Googling. Thank God for Google. <laughs> I was Googling what exactly I had done I because I didn't quite know what it was. I knew I did a business that made money. Right. I didn't know there was a business that could you could make money and impact at the same time. Right. I, I, and I'm not thinking about even Microsoft or thinking about the, the normal Forbes 500. No, no, no. Just actually on a basic level, right. just thinking I'm doing work that's creating a profit to sustain and then creating impact to right. allow a level of decent living. 
to normal human beings. Right. I didn't know what that meant. <laughs> so, so, so and, and, and that's how I came upon Grameen Bank and the likes, um, uh, Peter Draka and, and, and Ashoka Foundation, Acumen, all that. That's how I bumped into all those, uh, Tony and Lamelu Foundation. And then finally, one day, as I'm Googling, I'm seeing Grameen Bank, um, uh, the founder, what's the founder's name? I've, I've kind of forgotten the founder's name, but I was inspired by his story. And as I was reading through it, the word that popped up was, and this is an example of a social enterprise. From then <laughs> henceforth, I was done. Nice. I, I, I was done. I, <laughs> I, I was confused. I was... And it's not an NGO, not that I have anything against NGOs, but when it comes to sustainability, we can always get into a debate around that. But this was a business, real business, mm -hmm. whose triple bottom line wasn't just profit. Nice. A triple bottom line was passion, profit, and purpose. And I was done. This is what I wanted to do. I remember quitting whatever I was doing, um, not, not the internship, because on the side I was running a business, a Forex business. I remember telling my partner, uh, my co-founder then, I, um, I am done. I'm continuing with school and I am done with just making purpose for the sake of making money. Uh, sorry, for, I, I am done with just trying to make ends meet for the sake of making money. I want to do real purpose. And so... I, I quit immediately, uh, went back and continued with school, continued with my internship, balancing here and there. And that began my journey of social entrepreneurship. So further to that, I think a few years later at 2014, I opened the company called Let's Create Africa, which is still running till now, which Let's Create Africa is a, a B Corp certified um, social enterprise. It's a communication social enterprise leveraging on PR, comms and media. To, to to bridge opportunities to people at the bottom of the pyramid. Uh, and what that means is that we are the center point of helping organizations communicate with people at the bottom of pyramid and allowing people at the bottom of the pyramid to access opportunities that are this high, always kept higher than where they can reach. Yeah, that that in the list is what inspired me to become a social entrepreneur. <laughs> That's awesome because there's so much, like you said, the hierarchy, the pyramid and all that. Most people don't have access to this. So if there's somebody yes. in the middle who can help, you know, bridge that gap. And, you know, because like you say, you know, there's a lot that has to evolve still in Africa that has to, you know, really change. And, you know, nowadays everybody has a voice. People are speaking up, um, mm -hmm. but, you, you know, there's, that level of power. So if you can kind of be yes. the middleman to put that together, you know, maybe yes. change will happen. That's awesome. Yes. And and it's highly important. I find it valuable. And I mean, just even for, I I grew in privilege. Let me actually clarify that. I grew for for let me say ages roughly actually from ages zero to around eight. I I grew in slum area um okay. it wasn't explicitly poverty level but it was a slum it was like in between the main slum and the city itself right. so I, I i know how that felt and then from ages roughly i would say now eight to around 14 
I grew up middle class <laughs> officially <laughs> because finally my 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 father who was a, the breadwinner of the family made it right. in quotes whichever way you put it <laughs> uh, made it and we entered a middle class status so we even moved into a different area different right. everything changed for me right. my my life was pretty epic at, at that point in time I must admit and because I could understand what it was I right. I enjoyed privilege right immediately he passed away in 23rd april 2002 we immediately entered poverty mm. immediately he passed away a week later the family took property took everything they could from my mother wow. and we went back to nearly zero uh, you know um and at that point in time immediately i entered the station of life in in our culture where i as the first born male became the father and the breadwinner of the family right. so luckily i paid myself into high school i was able to help my family here and there also and so also part of opening a social enterprise was to to, to help my family see there's a way out right yes Yeah it's it's actually really beneficial when you have the experience because I always say like same with me um I always say people look at you and just assume oh you know they have your story all figured out and they don't know anything and it's the mm-hmm. same with me like I actually wrote a book about like life's obstacles can be your greatest motivators because people have no idea what I've gone through and, you know mm-hmm. I started out of high school I was a you know a secretary at a job I didn't go to college to be this you know great breadwinner I you know had a job i was a single mom of two kids i had to put myself through through college i was working 18 hour days no child support i mean i went through a lot of crap but at the same token you know here it is years later you know i own my own company life is good um it's a whole different story but i don't forget where i came from because i remember mm. what it was like to struggle i remember what it was like to you know and it's great because like i do a lot of stuff like i have um a youtube channel where i give people free advice and everybody says why do you do all this for free because i wish somebody did it for me i wish somebody helped me and and gave me advice and kind of mentored me and and held my hand and showed me the way you know so it's mm. great because you you're doing the same because you come from that area you know so yeah. that's awesome yeah. you should be proud of yourself yeah. thank you thank you <laughs> i'm 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 actually yeah i i mean minus the random imposter syndrome i'm definitely yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i'm definitely proud of myself i'm definitely proud of my story and where i came from and seeing that it's actually possible because even my siblings tell me we couldn't have gone to university if you didn't go to university yeah. so that's a huge deal to me uh, yeah. i i i i showed them a way where they didn't feel like there's a way so definitely uh, when i sit down and i'm pretty honest and look at how far i've come from i'm like yes uh, i i honestly i'm not self made <laughs> i would be lying <laughs> I, i i wouldn't even try saying how much more work i did more than everybody else no right. no no i'm not self made i've been held hands by so many people like i, I, I can't even mention right. i i i too many people yes it took time uh because also access was different but i am not self made i've been made by my community i've been made by my siblings have been made by my parents have been made by even people i married um, right. i mean all those things are right. very 
I've been I've been helped through. Yeah, I'm not. That's self-made. great, and then you kind of pay it forward. You do you know do the same and give back, which is awesome. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean I have to pay for it because also as part my, I'm spiritual. I'm Christian. Mm-hmm. It's 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 part of it's part of being Christian to right. give forward, to pay forward, mm-hmm. uh, to to help people who have not had the opportunity that you've had. Right. At whichever stage you are in life, no matter the level, there's somebody who's not been there. If you can lift them there, right. then that's actually in celebration of International Women's Day. That's yes. pure <laughs> equity. That's pure equity. Um, and, and, and we need to get that. It's not just a women's thing. It's not just a men's thing. It's a humanity right. principle. No, I agree 100%. Now, what have been some of the biggest challenges you faced in working with companies, governments, and development organizations? <laughs> oh, <good. laughs> I feel like I have too much to say about this. <laughs> uh, hmm, I don't know how to break it down, but but let's do it as, as I continue. So one of the biggest challenges I have faced in working with specifically, I would mention African companies. Um, and, and this also includes global multinationals, uh, MNIs, which have come into the continent, um, governments and development partners, is the lack of infrastructure, uh, the lack of resources, and the lack of uh, inclusion, real inclusion, not PR, not branding, not mission value, blah, blah, blah. No, no, no. Real inclusion and diversity. Mm-hmm. That, that, that has been one of the greatest challenges. And that's also considering that I've been in the social innovation incubator and accelerator system for the last 10 years uh, across Wow, across SSA, Sub-Saharan Africa, and Global North, and Eurasia, and Middle East. Mm-hmm. I feel those three things are usually my, my, my personally, I would mm-hmm. say, greatest challenge when it comes to, to working with companies, um, governments, and development partners. Mm-hmm. If I break it down, um, if I talk about something like... Um, Actually, let me take it still as a whole. So many African countries as as a general lack the necessary resources generally to support development initiatives. And and this can make it difficult to create, how do I say, effective and sustainable projects. Not that they lack the raw resource. We are very, as Africa, we are very rich very super rich in raw resource, uh, but we lack processed resources. So majority of our resources are, raw resources are manufactured by, again, these same companies, MNIs, and, and, and taken abroad, and then now resold back to us. Um, so we, there's usually a full limit on how we access it because of pricing. There's usually a full limit on how we access it because of of station, location, that is, 
because somebody in the slum access something different from somebody in the city, the main city. And the slum is actually in the city. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's one of those uh, dynamics that still I, I, I have a question with. And that's why my problem again with capitalism as a whole. And then there's the cultural, cultural and language barriers because also how a product is brought into the country it's not brought in a language that we understand. Many people actually don't understand that, but organizations that have been here longer really do their best to tweak uh, their language to, to cut across culture and language barriers so that communication is not difficult as they are trying to communicate to us. And thus there's often a lack of understanding of the needs and goals of African countries. Taking it back to where I was, that is why I opened a social enterprise because with a social enterprise, you have to address a real need, you have to provide real value, and you have to create real wealth. Mm -hmm. you, can't, you can't play your way around that. Right. You can't pour money onto that. You really have to be there <laughs> to make sure it works. Um, right. and, and, and so finally, also just to maybe wrap up in that conversation would be that there can be competing interests among African governments. Uh, case in point, even as we are talking about Africa Continental Free Trade Agreement, you can see there's a competing interest between uh, Kenya, for example, and, and something like DRC, which shouldn't be there for crying out loud because we're trying to both all actually achieve one, one thing, just creating a trade area. Um, you can see a competition between Rwanda, and uh, Burundi, for example, and that's even minus minus the 1992 clashes. Um, and that's quite unnecessary, um, but most of this is actually caused because of interests, uh, conflicting interests by organizations from above, governments from, a, sorry, not above, from abroad, mm -hmm. governments from abroad and interests that keep keep on shifting, mm -hmm. uh, even with partner organizations. And, and, and that's why I find such things very disappointing, which then makes it difficult to create a unified strategy and approach, not just for a region, but for the whole continent, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's why, and, and it's a discussion I, I've had with so many other um, bureaucrats and, and technocrats, that, that's why we still struggle to, to, to have a unified area or better yet continent right. because even generally, even just talking about the Africa Continental Free Trade Agreement, I mean, we are still funded by other governments to put in borders while in their country, they are fighting to open borders. And I won't mention because it's just as obvious. Um, and that already is like, wait, but I mean, we as Africans should really wake up and be like, wait, uh, how are you making us strengthen our borders against each other <laughs> and it, back back at your home, you're trying to make the borders as open as possible. Well, <laughs> not to Africans, but within the region, yeah. to yourselves and you, and, and you want the united, you know, the, the union, uh, you want that. But it, when it comes to Africa, you are telling us and you are even paying us to have stronger borders. <laughs> and so when you think about that, and then when you think a country like China comes to trade with Africa, even 
with their cons. China is not trying to think, how do we strengthen your borders? <laughs> China is actually wondering, how can we make it much easier to build infrastructure and resources then make sure all of you trade at once. Because even when I think about economies of scale, they're like, yeah, if we get Africa as a whole, it's better than getting <laughs> one country. Sure. But, you know, yeah, for sure. But, you know, the, the West is thinking, wait, <laughs> let's just keep them fragmented because it's easier to control units and parts. Yeah. I understand. And I understand. I, I can really borrow that from many other aspects of division of labor and categorization. But... It's not sensible uh, it's, and it's highly unfair and, and using such to leverage geopolitics uh, and the likes is, could be some of the biggest challenges I have faced and still have in working with African uh, companies, uh, governments and development partners and even outside, I mean, global um, companies, governments and partners. I've met, I've definitely, just to a credit of some, uh, case in point, Bilab East Africa or Bilab Africa, uh, which is a big, the big Corp certifier. Organizations like that are looking to see how Africa can, can, can use business as a force for good together, right. not as parts, not as units. Right. So when I meet organizations like that, I'm like, yes, this is the way, right. you know, um, uh, and they see it. Um, and I've met a few other organizations. Maybe I can't mention all of them at the moment, but um, I, I must admit they are fewer than the ones who are trying to keep us separate. And that's so now, can you partner part. with them since you kind of have the same goal? Partner with who? These companies that you say um, are trying to, you know, make this a glue, uh, make this a unity. Can, you know. Oh yes, yes, yes. Uh, that that is definitely something I keep looking forward to. But also, uh, I must admit, um, my business and even myself, I'm not. I actually have an easier time doing it as a person rather than as a business because it also goes with uh, how how cadres cadres of what's your level of how you can be in this conversation. Again, we are back to geopolitics and general business politics, which I understand and I don't mind. Um, and, and just being at a place of communicating on international relations at a different level. So yes, definitely, if there are opportunities to partner with them, I, I have had some, I must admit, which I have appreciated and also learned because I don't know everything. And I'll definitely in future still, even after this conversation, still look for opportunities to partner with them, either as an organization or as an individual, uh, because I'm just one piece of part of the cog and greasing right. the wheel. Right. Yeah, no pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> now, what challenges have you faced in your mission to decolonize and tell the real African story? Oh, Lord. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> mm. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think also how to summarize that okay so number one <laughs> it's okay number one definitely capital the holder of capital is the one who determines the story um, kind of plays the piper so 
uh, with not yet, I'm working my way towards that, being a holder of capital as a venture capitalist or, or actually, I think I'm looking more to, to look as a social social investor of a sort. So I would say number one would be, I'll, 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 it's not even per se a luck. It's, it's more not yet the muscle power, financial muscle power, because that's the main resource definitely need, needed on the continent. And even minus that, being a holder of power and positions that can move such conversations um i know i'm working my way towards that but i know it's taken me longer because i'm not also willing to take shortcuts i'm not willing to pay anybody to get to that seat i'm not willing to to, to, to do something unethical just so that i can be in that position uh, so i definitely know it's taken me longer because of such um it annoys me but I don't mind it because at the end of the night, I sleep well. Uh, that's important to me. So that would be one. Number two, infrastructure. Our infrastructure is fragmented, uh, just as Africa is. It's much easier to do a business in the U.S. still. Um, and maybe that's my experience. Maybe not yours. I know. Uh, so for me, I think it's much easier for me to do business in the U.S. and get the, the economies of scale of the U.S. rather than do it in Africa and say I'm doing it for Africa because I have to think about each and every region as a whole, east, west, north, south, and central. Then break that down into each individual country and sort that regulation and law per country before I even now sort it regionally, then now sort it as Africa. That's exhausting. <laughs> I, I can't, it's, 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 it's something else, you know? Yeah. So when it comes to economies of scale, you know, even when I think about uh, a simple continent as uh, Asia as a whole, I'm like, it's even much easier to do business in Asia than do it in Africa because Africa is so stuck in its centers of whatever they've been convinced is power and, 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 uh, and freedom Right. that we've forgotten we need to actually be in a space where if we worked together and that's I'm a I'm a, I'm a very I'm very pro Africa continental free trade agreement area actually agreement area um we we can actually now do more work we have the numbers we have the the skill and the population we have the youngest population in the world um we still have most unemployed people. But it's funny, in Kenya, there is no space for employment. But a country like Namibia and Botswana, all of a sudden, there's a lot of space. We just need to find a way to get our Kenyans there and vice versa. <laughs> so it's 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 really a weird thing. So why, why, why is Africa still having the most highly unemployed population and youngest population um, till today in 2023? So infrastructure, our infrastructure is very fragmented. Um, last but not least, I would say there are more voices telling Africa who they are and Africans who they are 
rather than Africans themselves saying it themselves. There are more books. There are, there's more content, video content. Uh, there's more uh, <laughs> audio, video. Uh, I mean, even music itself telling Africa and Africans who they are rather than Africans themselves saying who they are. And again, it's also because of those barriers, um, significant barriers that we've talked about and, in, and colonization as a whole um, that, that also brought that out because we need to find our place and we need to be very serious about identifying who we are, what we are, what we are about. Um, with our basic philosophy being Ubuntu, I am because we are. Right. We need to ride upon that and not ride only as myself as Wahiga, right. but as myself as Wahiga, um, as my neighbor in in Senegal, uh, Rohaya, uh, as my neighbor in, in, in Tunisia, Miluda, in South Africa, Simangele, in DRC, Chimasele, and all of us are like, hey, Ubuntu needs to make sense to all of us. So let's wake up. Let's say our narrative. Let's speak our story. And then let's determine what comes in and goes out ourselves. Yes. Yeah, they definitely need somebody to be that voice and take that stand. I mean, that's crazy that you're getting told who you are from outsiders. <laughs> <laughs> well, for the longest time. <laughs> now, what do you believe is the best way to create meaningful and sustainable change in African societies? Meaningful and sustainable societies. I think going back now, and number one, I would say going back to the root. What is our root? Um, and our root, again, I say is Ubuntu. No matter where I am, no matter which forum I am, Ubuntu is really who we are. And, and, and that's what we need to stem from. So we really need to go back to the root of our, how do I say it? our civilization, our, our education, our betterment, the root of who am I as Wahiga, the Kenyan who's in East Africa, who belongs to Africa. <laughs> I, I need to go back. <laughs> I, I, I need to go back to the root of that and then really work upon ensuring that now it seeps into the society because also the society is part of of the African society, let me clarify, is, is part of also who I am because, again, Ubuntu stands for I am because we are. So that would be one of the best way uh, to create a meaningful and sustainable change in African societies, honestly. Number two, if I can also continue on that, is to focus on creating more equitable and, and inclusive economy. Yes, equitable and inclusive economy that works for everyone. Right. This can include generally in, in investing in infrastructure, creating access, real access, by the way, uh, so that it's not fragmented, it's not segmented, 
creating access to capital mm -hmm. and ensuring access to education because that's a huge thing here right. and healthcare. I, additionally, it is also important to ensure that community driven, I repeat because that's highly important, mm -hmm. community, because it needs to start from the grassroots, community driven initiatives are supported and that the local population is engaged and empowered because it has to come from the people themselves for it to continue. Right. It's not it's not something fed to us. It's not something dropped to us. It's not something poured onto us. It has to come from bottom up. Right. Um, yes. Finally, I think it, I believe it is important to foster collaboration between governments, <laughs> highly uh, governments, again, development partners uh, and organizations and the private sector in order to ensure that most effective solutions are implemented. Because even after all is said and done, all these units have to really move together. It, you can't you, you you can't separate the people from the organizations and the organizations from the governments and the governments from 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 the national statistic uh, and global partners also because they also have interests. Whichever the interests are, um, just need to be aligned and yeah. be aligned by the community. Because without a voice within the community, then exactly who are you serving? Yeah, and you know, being dictated to from the outside, it's it's almost like being scolded by your parents. You have to mm -hmm. basically, you know, this is your home. You know, you have yeah. to have that say. You have to understand what you need, and you know, you have that passion for it, and it means so much more when you're doing it as opposed mm -hmm. to just being told from the outside what you have to do. Because like you said, there's so many different aspects from the outside and whose interests do they have? Is it really yours? They don't live there, you know, so it it's rough. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, what yeah, it's, I, a vicious, it's actually uh, a vicious, it's a vicious cycle. Yeah, seems it. Yeah. What advice would you give to young entrepreneurs and social advocates looking to make a difference in the communities? Africa must change the way it tackles poverty. And you must be the key solution to that. It is not a choice. It is not an option. It is not a by the way. It is. You have to be in the thick of things. Um, in helping Africa change the way it tackles poverty. Um. I would advise them further to focus on creative, again, just like I say, inclusive and equitable economic opportunities. Right. Even minus the gender, there's a lot of equity still needed uh, because of social strata and financial um, inequalities. So focus on creating inclusive and equitable economic opportunities. Again, <laughs> this could include um, deliberately investing and participating in infrastructure development, mm -hmm. uh, creating or better yet finding a way to create access to capital because it's highly important. Yeah. And ensuring, I think I had said that before, ensuring 
access to education and healthcare because that's also key right. to just fast general living. Right. It's education and health is 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 near the basic need, right. <laughs> uh, food, shelter, and clothing. You know, um, so how how do we make that work? Uh, again, go back to the root of the communities. Community driven initiatives need to be highly supported, right. and the local population needs to be engaged and empowered. If you have an opportunity to empower, and that's what I did in two thousand and seven, and still I do till now. Um, how many years is it? <laughs> Nearly, I would say, wow. Uh, 16. <laughs> Give or take, you know. Uh, <laughs> but, but, but you know, I even started social work, for lack of a better word, way before I even opened a company, mm -hmm. for example, and way before 2007 came in. So community-driven initiatives have to be supported and engaged and empowered. You know, uh, that's why I also started a um, project called Know Your Rights Africa, so that there's civic and citizen cit citizen education to each and every population to understand mm -hmm. and know this is my right, right as a citizen of my country. And I need to be able to call the government to accountability. But you can't do that without not knowing your right. Right. So, so education no, comes into play. Exactly. Exactly. And so know your rights seeks to fill that gap by making civic and citizen education uh, simple, accessible, and, and transparent to one and all. Um, and even cost effective because it needs right. to be affordable. Um, finally, it is important, and this is highly important, to foster collaboration. Collaboration across all levels of scale between governments, development partners, um, communities, private sector. And this is actually in order to ensure that most effective solutions are implemented. You have to involve all stakeholders. You, you be an individual, you be an organization, you be somebody trying to make the change. You have to be part of that. But I repeat, Africa must change the way it tackles poverty. You don't need my answer to do it. You don't need my method to do it. But you need to start doing it for crying out right. loud. <laughs> yeah, but they I need somebody in power to come with a plan yeah. and say, this is what, exactly. you know. <laughs> yeah, you know, you need to do it. It needs to be done. All this has to be action-oriented. Again, remember what you have to provide. Um, and, and, and number one, you have to really, really meet real needs, you know, create real value and then create real wealth right. because then you can answer that problem. Right. Now, is there anything else you want to add about what you do and what you're, you're, you're fighting for? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm with you. Oh, I get it. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I'm, I'm passionate about telling the African story. So I, I do a webinar called let's create Africa. Um, and Let's Create Africa is a, is a webinar that's highly involved in getting change makers and um, voices, change makers, voices, civic um, citizens, and, and, and even just basic general citizens to speak about what they think about business innovation, mm -hmm. governance, and the SDGs, um, which reminds me, it would be a good time to actually 
interview <laughs> Bill and Melinda Gates. I would like to, yeah. <laughs> to get that <laughs> opportunity. That. <laughs> oh yeah, I've, I've been told. I've been told, but maybe the more I mention it, the more they'll hear it at some point. They are massive investors, so that'd be awesome if you can get a hold of them. <laughs> yeah, but, but you know, they invest very much in in Africa. I would I would like their voice had in with an African perspective. No PR, no branding, just one on one, and just get to hear what exactly are you talking about when it comes to Africa? Because you want to throw a lot of money here and that's okay. It's good. But is it really tackling the real needs? Uh, is it really creating the real value? Is it really meeting uh, real wealth, creating real wealth and meeting real needs? Uh, yeah, talking and, to, and, and, talking and to somebody that. there is better than just whatever they read online or press release it, that they ex- saw. Ex- right. Exactly. And it would be nice to get it from the source. Right. Um, but yes, uh, so... I run the webinar every Thursday, EAT. Um, but you can find all the episodes on, on YouTube, Let's Create Africa TV, or our podcast. Um, actually, you just look for Let's Create Africa. I think you you, you can get it anywhere. Okay. And that's also running the company. We have Know Your Rights Africa, which is the civic and citizen uh, platform, um, okay. education platform. Then we also have Soko, which is an e-commerce platform trying to make Africans actually <laughs> really riding on the Africa continental free trade agreement um, and, and, and hoping Africans can continue trading within each other. Right. And last but not least, uh, I, I could also give a shout out to Statinef, which is has been one of our greatest, greatest partners in, in being part of the innovation ecosystem um, right. in in, in, in Kenya. Last but not least would also be the future of work. Um, all, all this you can actually get online. The future of work is is, is actually a jobs um, a recruitment platform where we are trying to explore job opportunities uh, across the continent for individuals. And, and all these have come with their impact, very great impact that I'm really thankful for uh, and looking forward to partners who can be a part of this. But again, I'm interested if you're interested in working with the community. Right. If you just want to work high level, then uh, there's too much. <laughs> there's too much that needs to be done right. uh, to just stick at high level. You know, I I, I don't want to just do board meetings for six months and do impact work for one month. Right. No, no, no. If we are doing board meetings for six months and impact work for the next five years, then let's talk. That's that's a conversation I want to have. Um, yeah, and and it needs to be honest. It needs to be mutually benefiting. I do right. not mind that. Everybody needs to be happy. But again, Africa must change the way it tackles poverty, and it starts by you and me. For sure. Well, thank you again for being on the show. Again, that was Waiga Mature. Thanks for listening to Successful Minds with Patty B. Never miss an episode by subscribing to the show. So thank you again. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to Successful Minds with your host, Patricia Barnowski-Schneider. Please leave your feedback and visit strategicadvisorboard.com to get the latest and greatest business advisement on the planet. Follow us on social media for updates, and we'll see you on the next episode.